Um, I do want to move us to talk about the upcoming games because this will be a three hour podcast if we don't do that <laughs> forcibly. Um, you know, the only two games this coming week for the Knicks, um, they play uh, back in the garden, back in the garden off coming off the five, five row games in a row. Um, Heat at Knicks on Friday. It's an in-season tournament game. Suns at Knicks on Sunday. So, you know, they get their they get their breather. They get their breather. They don't play again for another four days. Um, so what 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 are your thoughts here with the with the Heat game coming up? Yeah, I I expect them to be locked in and ready to go. I expect them to take this game very personally. I expect them to care about this game more than the Heat care about it. I don't think that to be honest, I don't think the Heat really care about the Knicks. I, If you ask Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, I think that right or not, I think the Heat believe that when the time comes, they'll be able to beat them. So I'm not saying that the Heat are going to tank this game. I just think that the Knicks objectively have more motivation. This is the team that knocked them out of the playoffs. That that matters to them. Um, and yeah, they, they have the huge rest advantage I hope they. Uh, I think they're going to get some good practices in on Wednesday and Thursday. I expect them to be pre- prepared. No Tyler Hero. Honestly, I expect them to win this game pretty handily. Um, and I don't mean that to undersell the Heat, as I was inferring earlier. I am not. You know, I'm. I'm never doubting that team again after last postseason. That's just not going to happen. Um, I just, I'm never going to doubt them again in the playoffs. I'm never going to doubt Spolstrom. And one thing we should talk about with the, with the Heat, Bam Adebayo has been incredible this season. Um, defensively, he's been, he's just a really, really good defender. He can, I, they mix up coverages against the Knicks. Sometimes he drops and protects the rim. Sometimes he just switches onto Jalen Brunson. He is a nightmare. And, he he's gotten better offensively this year, which every season people seem to count him out. Like, Oh, he's just a role player uh, on offense. That's all he'll ever be. But he keeps improving as a passer. keeps improving his efficiency inside the arc. Um, To me, that's the most important matchup because that's the reason the Knicks didn't beat the heat in round two is the heat were the team that said, no, actually Jalen Brunson can get whatever he wants. As long as Mitchell Robinson isn't impacting these games, we're going to win. That's how they beat the Knicks in the playoffs. And if Adebayo is able to negate Mitchell Robinson's impact again, it could be a closer game. It could be a bad night for the Knicks. Yeah, I I think all that is well said. Uh, I do disagree with you as far as this game being much more important to the Knicks than to Miami. Um, and, and, and kind of Miami not caring about the Knicks. I kind of, I I feel like they do care about the Knicks. I feel like they, they care about the Knicks insofar as they want them to continue to be a laughing stock and they feel like they can take it upon themselves to make that be the case, especially someone like Jimmy Butler. Um, and so, and, and the other aspect of this, and we don't know how much this matters to the players. So that's, that's one thing, but I I think if the Knicks lose this game against Miami, they're all but eliminated from, uh, you know, contention in the in-season tournament. Um, the Knicks are one and one right now, third in their group under Miami, who is two and O the Bucks are two and O at the top of the group. 
And if the Knicks go one and three in the group, they're not going to win the group and they're probably not going to be the wild card team moving forward from the Eastern Conference in the in-season tournament. So, you know, maybe that doesn't mean anything to to the the, the players and to the teams. I, I think it might. And I think Miami would like to be the team to kind of eliminate New York again. Uh, I, I, I do think that that would that would bring some joy to them and their fans. So I, I, I kind of feel like the, the the motivation to win this game is probably going to be high on both ends um, with regard to kind of all of that, that that contextual stuff going on. As far as like the the, the two teams and, 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 and how they stack up, I think you're for sure what you mentioned about the matchup with BAM is going to be really important. Um, BAM is is particularly like annoying to me <laughs> um uh in terms of his style you know his moving screens um his weird effectiveness from the mid-range and and no ability to shoot threes like you know his his, his switchability and versatility on defense like it's just not like the kind of player that i like watching even i you know it might seem blasphemous to a lot of people who like basketball bam's not like my my cup of tea but is a super effective player and uh, amazingly impactful on defense. I think that the Miami doesn't have a great offense and I don't think they have a ton of firepower. I think that they are kind of floating right now. Um, the last time I looked, I think they're like 24th or 25th in offense um, and like in the bottom 10 in effective field goal percentage, which is those numbers are very similar to what they were last year. So I think that this is kind of who this team is. It's just not very effective offensive, um, offensive team. And they, you know, they don't offensive rebound well or anything like that. They're not getting like a ton of possessions. I, I just feel like this team relies on getting to the free throw line and playing really solid defense. And to me, I think they, they should be able to be exploited by the Knicks. I think the Knicks could kind of could really punish their offense and make it difficult for them to score and score enough to beat this team. Um, because not only is Miami, uh, you know, not only does Miami not shoot well from the field, they also actually don't stop teams from shooting well from the field. Um, the way that they play defense is by forcing turn- turnovers, by not fouling, um, and they get to the free throw line on offense. They, they, they kind of do it in a weird way, the same way the Knicks do it in a weird way by getting a bunch of extra chances. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's a little gimmicky to me, to be honest. So I, I feel like the Knicks should be able to beat Miami. Coming off this huge rest, it, it, it's, it's funny. The last thing I want to say about this real quick is that it's funny because I feel like I do think the playing a lot of games and a few, uh, a few nights matters a lot. Like and the data does show that that affects, you know, teams performance, like very much consistently across the board. But I think people will also argue um, that having four days off will create some kind of rust and then the Knicks not play well and it be, be blamed on that, <laughs> which I don't know that that's like, that is actually supported by the data, but I can imagine that excuse also coming into play. But I do think the rest is going to help them. And I think they should be favorited. And again, it would be concerning to me if they lost this game against Miami. I believe this is a game that they should win. This is against a good team, not a great team. And they've obviously beat up on the bad teams. And I just need to see them beat a, a, you know a good team when they should. They did that with with Atlanta. It was really hard fought game, but I, I I would need to see them do it against Miami to feel like really good at the for where they are at this stage. Yeah, um, I think the most important player in the game is Julius Randle, and again, I think what made me realize that is last postseason, because the Heat loves love 
throwing lineups out there with Butler and Bam at the, as the four and the five. That's how they mitigate Butler's lack of three-point shooting is they play him at the power forward. He's the lead ball handler a lot. And they, you know, run him, bam, screen and rolls, lots of handoffs, and they surround him with shooting. That is their favorite lineup to run. Bam Adebayo isn't a candidate to guard Jalen Brunson. And Jalen Brunson, while he's definitely uh, improved this season, still isn't someone that defenses fear a ton as a passer. So the Heat are going to probably stick Jimmy Butler in, you know, when they're trying to be their best. They're going to stick Jimmy Butler on Jalen Brunson. And the the Knicks and Julius Randle need to force Bam Adebayo to put, or need to force the Heat to put Bam Adebayo on him. He didn't do that last playoffs. That's why he was able to mitigate uh, Mitchell Robinson's impact. But if Julius Randle just... Just if because if, if it's not Butler and it's not Bam, think about the guys who think about how insane it is that Randall had the playoff series he had against Miami last season when you account for who was guarding him. It was like they never used Bam on him ever. So it was wings and it was it was undersized wings that that Randall should be able to just he should be able to have his way with and he Cody should be able to force uh, or Caleb Martin. Um... Uh, Max Struess even at times guarding guarding Julius yeah totally Haywood Highsmith Haywood Highsmith you know, like, who, uh, who who actually is playing like twenty five minutes per game for them by the way yeah so he's been good he, this season he, I, he, I, he's going to be the matchup for Randall is what I believe so right Randall needs to win that matchup and then all of a sudden it's Bam Adebayo's turn and what does that do they have to put a smaller guy on Mitchell Robinson. That doesn't work. That's when Mitchell Robinson becomes the greatest offensive rebounder of all time. <laughs> um, but Jalen Brunson can't force that. He cannot. He, we saw it last play, postseason. I said, you know, five minutes ago, Jalen Brunson was scoring 40 points, playing 48 minutes a game. And Spolster was just like, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. We're not going to switch anything we're doing. Keep doing it, Jalen. That's You can do whatever you want. He will. Julius Randle can adjust the defense. He, he, he can force Spolster to say, Oh shit, Julius Randle is getting all the shooters involved. He's getting to the rim whenever he wants. He's getting, you know, he is forcing Bam out of bio to help, which is creating more offensive rebounds. He can force a schematic change from the Heat. So I think anytime the Knicks play the Heat, it comes down to Julius Randle. And I'm will be again paying close attention to what he does on Friday. Well, hopefully that's a good thing. Um, I, hopefully it's a good thing if it does come down to Julius Randle. Um, you know, we're, we're, he's more days and weeks away from, you know, his ankle surgery and, and, and further along his recovery, especially, again, having four days off to kind of rest and recover as well. Um, you know, if, if we're not going to see it from Randle now, I, I don't know when we would expect it. So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that matchup. As far as the following game, the Knicks play the Suns on Sunday, two days following the Miami game. This is this is the one that's interesting to me. This is the one that's interesting. The, the, the Suns have been the Suns have been up and down. They've been they've been up and down, but at the same time, we know we know that this is a, a contender. I, at least I feel like this. I, you you might disagree with me, which I, I would love to hear your perspective on it. Um, They've been up and down, kind of a middling record, kind of a, a middling, uh, you know, uh, net rating. Um, the offense has been good, not great. The defense has been not very good, not terrible. 
Um, at the same time, if they're going to have Duran out there, they're going to have Devin Book out, Booker out there. I think that the Knicks are going to have their handful. And if they beat this team, this will kind of be the win that I'm looking for against a team that I think is better than just like a good team. Um, and I think they can, they can do it uh, because Phoenix is not a great defensive rebounding team. And they foul a lot. So I think I'm looking for someone like quickly to kind of like feast uh, uh, in terms of getting to the line, RJ to, to, to feast in terms of getting to the line. Um, and then, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, alluded to a little earlier, we, we, it, this is a showtime game for, for Julius Randle, uh, a Sunday game against the Phoenix Suns against Kevin Durant. Um, I think that again, he's has that rest. I, I just think that this is a time for the Knicks to be able to show up. I think it's a pretty good matchup for them. Um, I think, I think that Phoenix, doesn't have a ton aside from from Booker and Durant. Obviously, uh, Beal is not back yet. So to me, this just feels like a game that they should win against a team that is in a higher category, a higher echelon, a higher tier than the teams that they've been beating so far. And I just think it's like set up well for them to win. So I'm really looking for that this game to be important for them. So I, I, I'm curious what you think about the game. Yeah, just to zoom out for a second and look at the macro from the Knicks perspective. The two games they play after that are against Detroit and Charlotte at home on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> yeah. I think that the floor for these next four games should be three and one. I don't see any scenario where they are, you know, um, where they're 11 and seven after the game against, uh, against Detroit next Thursday, where I'm like, as a fan, I'm like, oh, that's terrible. No, I, I would be, that's fine. That, that'll be fine. That's a fine split. I do think they're less likely to beat Phoenix than Miami. Um, I think Phoenix is better than Miami right now, just as a regular season team. I think Kevin Durant is amazing. That's what I want to talk about, you know, more than anything, which I know some people listening to this don't really care about that. But, I mean, it's just some of these guys, man, some of these older players who just keep doing it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Kevin Durant is 35 years old, and he's once again having – I don't know. One of the best starts to his career. One of the best starts to a season in his entire career. He, I mean, he's just he's so good at everything. That game he played against the Jazz the other night was unbelievable. He's just carrying. I mean, I if you're out there and you're the type to go rewatch games or segments of games, go rewatch overtime of that game. Yeah, he was unstoppable. It was, it, yeah. it was remarkable. They ran the same action every single time. They just put him and and Knicks fans. You know, if some of you are Knicks fans listening to this. It'll look familiar because it's what the Knicks try to do with Julius Randle. The Kevin Durant got the ball, uh, you know, on the wing, twenty feet from the basket, back to the basket, and the Jazz were like, "Yeah, we're not going to let him score." <laughs> and they sent a double at him every time, and he, I think, he created eleven straight points that were just specifically because of Durant dissecting this defense. I just, I, I got to jump in. I know you're giving an ode to Durant, which I, I I totally respect. I mean, this is why I don't like the the the. the I live with Durant just just erasing like eviscerating you from the mid range. Like I'm not go- double teaming Durant, giving him an open you know uh, uh, um, 
pass to the corner so that it can send everybody in rotation and just like create but it's just too it creates easy offense and a guy like Durant that's like seven feet tall is going to easily make those passes um, and has seen every kind of trap or coverage you want to throw at him I just hate the putting two on the let, let Durant destroy you then that but anyway I, I was watching that game and rooting for Utah so that's why I feel a little annoyed about it <laughs> yeah um I 100% agree with you. I've always been, um, never, I've never been a fan of the idea that points somehow have more value or more harm because it's the star that's scoring them. I mean, but then you see the, you see the bias that normal human beings have. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but the reaction to LeBron passing the cam in the corner against the Heat a week or two ago was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life. You would think that these NBA players who have spent their whole lives doing these things just like turn into clay in these moments, you know? And, and th- there were serious people out there arguing that LeBron should force a triple teamed mid range shot over <laughs> setting up an NBA player with a wide open corner three. And it's like, I want to pull out a whiteboard for these people and just be like, let's just do, let's just put some numbers together. Like, let's come on. Let's let, just make, make one up. What do you think LeBron is going to do against a triple team with Bam out of bio standing right next to him? Like, <laughs> is he more than 20%? What does LeBron need to be to, to make it a better shot than Cam Reddish, who I know at that point wasn't the most reliable shooter. But he's an NBA player who shoots threes. What what is the worst he could be at shooting a wide open three pointer? What what is the absolute worst? Thirty five percent. There's no way LeBron's getting a thirty five percent look triple teamed by a Heat defense that's trying to take away his shot. Like the fact that he was able to make that pass was unbelievable. And all people could talk about was like, oh, Jordan would take the shot. It's just the most annoying thing. It's just, and I know I'm I'm not trying to turn this into a LeBron thing. It's an everybody thing. It goes back to the Durant thing. They somehow feel like, oh, well, you live with the wide open Grayson Allen three. Why? Why That's Why do insane. you live with the wide open? That's <laughs> insane to me. I would t- call me nuts, but I'm living with the contested Kevin Durant too. And I know Absolutely. he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. But if he wants to make a, a number of those over and over again, great. Let let his teammates get cold and that's fine by me. He can He can two-point me to oblivion. Absolutely. And okay, if you're doubling him the way that, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of switching up your timing of your doubles, you're switching up who's doubling, where the double is coming from, the double coming from, you know, the, the weak side and, and, and setting them into rotation that way. Like if you're, if you're switching things up, then it's okay. They were just, I don't Utah was just straight up like, yo, we're doubling you. We're coming. We're going to double you and quote unquote, get the ball out of your hands. Meaning we're going to tell you who to pass to, to make your offense flow extremely well. Like, like speaking of offensive lubricant, that, that double was absolutely a 10 out of 10 on the lube scale. So, so I would argue, I would argue that you're half to over half, right? I do think that they were very, um, blatant with that the fact that they were doubling. I do think they mixed up coverages a bit in terms of where the doubles came from, which shooter they were doubling off of, etc. Trying not to be predictable there. But Durant saw the doubles coming from a mile away, and it just turned him into a hockey assister because the balls you force the scramble, and the NBA players these days know who they who they want to shoot. So the ball is going to end up in Eric Gordon's hands. It's just going, it's, you know, J- J- Nurkic is not going to end up with three. It's going to be Eric Gordon or Grayson Allen. Um, 
So I agree with you to, uh, about how blatant it was. I just I I want to give Will Hardy a little bit of credit. I do think I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA, and I think that he was at least trying to mix up where they were coming from. They just Durant's too tall and he's too good, and the doubles weren't very good. <laughs> that's fair. I, I that's fair. I was very in my feelings watching this game, and 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 which which obviously takes you out of uh, you know your rational mind. So, but it, regardless, the, the bringing the double uh, every single time was extremely frustrating, regardless of where it was coming from, because Durant was going to see it coming and make the right pass, and and he did, and that cost them the game, in my opinion. Um, were you uh, were you rooting for the Jazz for gambling reasons or for Lowry Markkinen reasons or other? <laughs> well, actually, it's it's better for me if Lowry for you know for my Lowry marketing agenda if uh, if the Jazz lose more games because that might make them sell him uh, at the deadline. So it's not really it wasn't really for marketing reasons. I just like the Jazz. Like I like watching them play. Um, I do like Will Hardy as well. Um, I think they do some cool stuff with like you know moderate to mediocre talent that they have on the team. So I, I just like the jazz and I'm not, I don't like the Suns very much. So it's just, that, that's kind of why I was rooting for them. Cool. Although the Suns I, have Jordan Goodwin, who is a really good defensive player and um, maybe the guy that, that, <laughs> that determines the, the Nixon Suns game, because I think he's going to spend a lot of time guarding Emmanuel quickly. I think, and I think he's going to make things hard for him. So. Jordan Goodwin. Is he solid. actually a good defender? Because I looked up Shake Milton's defensive numbers and they're actually fine. So you're two for two so far, but are you doing a bit right now or do I actually have to look up if Jordan Goodwin's a good defender? Jordan Goodwin is I think Jordan Goodwin is twenty six. I'm not sure, but I think and I think he was undrafted. But um I, as far as whether he's a good defender or not, that that's for you to decide. But I think he's a good defender and and um, I have watched some Jordan Goodwin minutes on Washington, and I think he's been solid this year defensively. He's been awful offensively. I think he should – let me look it up real quick. No, you know what? Yeah, okay. He's shooting 35% from three, also 22% from the mid-range, and 37% for, at the rim for a whopping uh, true shooting of 45.3%. But defense, Jordan Goodwin, solid defensive player. All right. Um, the more the more you learn. This is again. This is why you tune into these marathon podcasts that are going to get shorter each week, so that you can learn about Jordan Goodwin's defensive value. 